you're listening to Rosie and Jessica's Day of Fun, episode 55, Bacon and Beasts. Enjoy the show. I'm Rosie. I'm Jessica. And you're listening to Rosie Rosie and Jessica's Day Day of Fun. Fun. I've just played an absolute blinder of a move on Scrabble, Jessica. Have you? Yes. Well, as we mentioned a few episodes ago, I played an absolute blinder of a move in a real-life game with my friend Felix, and now we're playing virtual Scrabble. And it does a thing where when you play a move, once you've played it, it pops up and it says, great work, but here's how you could have scored more points, but what? And if you just remember what that says, then the next time, if that move is still available, you do it. Sorry, Felix, that's how I've just scored the 50 points for just the word many. <laughs> Schooled. Schooled. But it's fine because he beat me on the last we, we, on our first rematch and I suspect he'll beat me on this one as well. So, Although I am getting electronic assistance from a little Scrabble tile with a cute pair of glasses on. It's the equivalent of a paperclip. Yeah, I was going to say the Microsoft paperclip. Did you mean to do that? Yes, I did. Leave me alone. It looks like you're writing a death threat to the Microsoft paperclip. Amazing jokes from 1998 topical humour. You know what's lovely, and I'm really surprised that I'm enjoying it? The sunshine? Springtime, yeah. Springtime. Because I am... Oh, I'm going to have to do a different song from the one I was thinking of. Super sunshine averse. Yeah, you are, but it's glorious. The other day I came home, and I went and sat in the garden with an adult beverage and a cornetto. At the same time, I I actually cut some lime to put in my adult beverage, so it was quite classy. I did a, a spiral of cucumber the other day. I'm thinking about getting a spiralizer, but I think that might make me a terrible human. Funnily enough, I was having a conversation about spiralizers. I don't know if that's their real name. Is that their real name? It is, yes. At work yesterday. Not even 24 hours ago. Maybe because it's that time of year and everyone wants spirally things in their drinks. That's, that's not what you use them for. It was spoken about in relation to genuine cooking. For those of you who are not familiar with the spiralizer, it is an absurd kitchen gadget with which you can make basically spaghetti out of vegetables it's like a weird sort of pencil sharpener affair and it twizzles off long strands so that you can eat spaghetti but not eat spaghetti i don't know it's, i made some courgette but just with a vegetable peeler so they were like short tagliatelle tastes really good it's actually quite nice and that was an effort though can you imagine that trying to peel a whole courgette it took hours hours it didn't take hours i've peeled entire carrots before <sighs> to make salad oh, it's boring it's boring but they look so pretty and it's really good for putting in sandwiches because you end up with slices while you end up with long strips. Oh, so you can line them up. If you're putting like carrot in a sandwich instead of just grating it. Oh my god, and you could make a lattice work so that they don't fall apart. So you end up with a lovely layer of crunch and also it's not as... You know how grated carrot can be a bit can be very wet? Yeah, what so is... So you have to sort of dry it and that's complicated. Yeah, and it gets all over the hummus. It gets all over the hummus and the hummus runs out of the side of the sandwich. It doesn't make for good transportation, but if you do it with strips with the peeler takes your sandwich making game to a whole new level bit of basket work on it so you get a nice square so you can just put it in like a slice like there's that life hack about how you can do that with bacon so you can have a nice bacon sandwich but this is definitely an american bacon thing because proper bacon you can't you know the three slices max you're putting in a bacon sandwich i had a truly excellent fry up yesterday um, I saw pictures. It looked delightful. Oh, it was great. I did proper Almost everything. as good as my packed lunch from the day before. Yeah, all right. Mine... Okay, so I've only become a tomato eater in the last 18 months. I was surprised by that, but it did look very nice and it gave the plate balance. It did. I have not converted to tomato eating enough to eat grilled tomatoes. What I should have is tinned plum tomatoes. That I would eat happily cooked. That's a good idea. It was just a plum tomato 
a fresh plum tomato chopped in half, whacked under the grill with my sausages. Like a camp cooked breakfast. It did smell exactly like guide camp all morning in my house. And it was brilliant. And the timing came together beautifully. And for once, I fried an egg and it went well. Usually I fry eggs in an absolute disaster. Bacon, fried eggs, mushrooms in the frying pan. Tomatoes, sausage under the grill. Baked beans in the microwave because I only have one hob. This is... The fact that I've made a full fry-up only on the one hob is a, a true a true work of, of good goodness. Goodness! I always feel when I go out at a slightly earlier time at this time of year, well, early for me is normal time for everyone else, but when the sun's out and things like that, I feel as I'm walking down the road that I should be able to smell bacon because I associate it with being up early and possibly walking across a campsite. When I'm up, up and outdoors early in the day on a nice day this is the moment of peace and quiet i often feel quite relaxed because on guide camp it's the bit where you're like the children are not awake i'm so peaceful oh goodness why can't this 45 minutes last all day and then they get up and absolutely delightful of course i don't even eat bacon but i always feel like oh i should be able to smell a cooked breakfast now i feel cheated so i actually really like the smell of walking across a campsite and being able to smell people frying bacon and eggs Especially when you're at a jamboree and there are 5,000 people frying bacon and eggs at the same time. That's a heady, heady fog of bacon fumes. I've just had breakfast. I've just had uh, cornflakes with a chopped banana on top. I had um, toast. One slice had marmalade. One slice had chocolate spread. Okay. Um, um, yeah, chocolate orange. Yeah, that works perfectly. Hashtag eat clean. I, that I think is one of my favourite things is posting pictures of sort of enormous cakes or fry-ups with ironic use of healthy eating hashtags. So I had a another literal day of fun last week. What did you do? I went to the Watts Gallery with our friend Natalia. Oh, lovely. In the Guildford area. And it is a gallery built by this guy. G.F. Watts? Mr. Watts. It's a, a gallery with a chapel adjacent to it. Well, it's sort of like a mausoleum-y thing. It's a chapel of rest. That's the right term. Right. And that was designed by Mrs. Watts and George Frederick Watts. Basically built his own gallery and was like, cool, here's a gallery that I've built for all my stuff. And it fell into disrepair and was then part of the Restoration series. I was literally just about to ask, is this where you're going? Was it part of Restoration? I don't remember it, I don't think. but It did look vaguely familiar, but obviously it was a long time since I'd seen that programme. But uh, this programme was where they found 10 buildings across the country that were... In, desperately in need of restoration and they eventually picked a winner that received a grant but a lot of the programs that were featured were then restored because public interest was was raised as was money so yes i went to the watts gallery we went to look at all the pictures but also very much to have tea and cake of course and we went to the chapel and that was absolutely gorgeous it's all the sort of carved terracotta it's incredibly intricate and the weather was lovely, and it was a very lovely day out. And most importantly, one of the portraits that GF Watts did, which I'm showing Jessica but we'll put on the Twitter, is allegedly of somebody called Mary Augusta, Lady Holland. Oh, and he was uh, alive between 1817 and 1904. And this picture was circa 1844. That's a ripe old age for them days. Yes, that is a good old age. But it's it's nothing compared to how old Tina Fey must be to be appearing in this portrait. I've never seen a portrait... Long- this is just Tina Fey. This is a portrait from 1844 of Tina Fey. 
So that's what I did, and that was my souvenir. Did I buy any of his famous pictures? Did I buy a pen? No, I bought a postcard because it looked like it had an amusing actress on it. Sterling work. I just had an absolutely delightful day out with Natalia. That was great. Good. The weather was terrific, except when we then got in this little chapel, because it was a terracotta thing, it was freezing. Like, oh, what a glorious day. Like one of those wine coolers. It was very much like being inside a lovely wine cooler. I think that's what they call it. The wine cooler of rest. What was the uh, the tea room situation there? This is a great segue because I was just about to bring this up. The tea room was great. They had a really good selection of unusual cakes, as I said about in Abergavenny. You know, yes, if you can do a great Victoria sponge, a great lemon drizzle, a great coffee and walnut, you are set. But if you can do something truly interesting then i am intrigued and i had a brilliant slice of beetroot cake oh exciting was it beetroot and chocolate or was it just a pink cake with beetroot i think it was beetroot and something but i i didn't take a picture and that's all the only way i can remember what i've eaten pictures or it didn't happen how many times do i have to tell you but it was a very nice beetroot cake i i want to say beetroot and white chocolate beetroot and white chocolate but I don't know whether that is what I ate or I know that that is a kind of cake people have. But it was very nice. And then Good. we came back for lunch because we timed it perfectly. I, we got there about 11.30, so we had tea and cake. Then we did the gallery. Then we had a late lunch. And I had one of their specialities, which was Welsh rarebit. And it was unbelievably good. Welsh rarebit and a Fentiman's ginger beer. There is nothing more I could want from a provincial gallery on a fine sunny day. Yes, tea rooms, Jessica. We, of course, on your beautiful, beautiful segue there, have been visiting some tea and cake establishments in central London. Yes, we have. So last week we went to a place called the Urban Tea Rooms, which is in the, I was going to say, in the Liberty area of London. It's on Kingly Street. That's the one. Obviously, I only navigate by what lovely department stores are nearby. The Urban Tea Room, it was okay. Yeah, it was fine. The music was too loud. I think if you're having, like, their sandwiches and think paninis look nice. Mm. I think if you're having more of a lunchy thing, it would be good. I think the sandwiches look great. But they called themselves the Urban Tea Room, so we went for tea and cake. And the brownie I had was nice, but it had the texture of plasticine. Because I think it was possibly the wheat-free option. And it was a chocolate and salted caramel brownie. Flavouring, very nice, but it had that kind of glossy, smooth thickness high viscosity nature of a gluten-free brownie that I found slightly off-putting. Yeah, it didn't look very cakey, which, I mean, is a problem that I think some establishments often end up with, that they go too far in the cakey direction. It's not just a chocolate tray bake. If you get a brownie in a chain coffee shop, they are always the driest thing you've ever encountered. That is why everyone knows the best brownies are those crack brownies we make from Nigella's recipe. Honestly, the single greatest recipe I've ever used... I know you change it, Jessica, but in its pure form, you could, I mean, bribes. That's what I'm saying. We should be using it as bribes. When I get to about 350 grams of sugar as I'm pouring the bag of sugar into the weighing scales, and I know that I still have to go until 500, half a kilo of sugar, people. You get about 32 servings from that. And then you have two packets of chocolate. You have three packets of chocolate. A teaspoon and a half of flour, just for good measure. That is not true. You have 175 grams of flour, and well, you know it. So this week, we went to a place called Cutter and Squidge. Now, let us stop at the metaphorical door and look at the sign above it and assess the name of the pop-up cake shop, Cutter and Squidge. There is so much off-putting business going on. There is, a, I think, a chain of kind of 
gastro-y, eaty... Basically, there's a thing called scoff and banter, which is the most disgusting business name. You might as well call it poop and more poop. I do not want to go to a place called scoff and banter. What it sounds like is it sounds like the name of a hipster cafe bar thing in an undergraduate comedy at the Fringe. I mean, like, let's call it, I don't know, like, scoff and banter, because that'd be funny, because it kind of satirises what people say, ha ha ha. But then we're just embracing it. But they've actually called the place scoff and banter. Now, Cutter and Squidge is so far through the twee hipster cake looking glass that I think I have come round to it, because I think that is such a bad name that they, they, bless them, they must just not know. They must just not know. They must just not realise. Um, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be because, no, that sounds mean. Embrace it. Lean in. When you text me last week saying, do you want to go to this place, having not seen my message saying, do you want to go to the Urban Tea Rooms, which turned out to be a mistake. Yes, because it must have just looked like I sort of seen your text and it decided not in any way to acknowledge any of what you'd said. Yes, you, you sent me a message saying, do you want to go to this? I think it might be the most twee thing ever. So I looked on the website I thought, yes, it is the most tweeting thing ever and sent you a message back saying it looks horrible, let's go. But when we got there yesterday, because I hadn't looked at the website since last week, I'd forgotten that I was expecting it to be super twee and horrible and horrible in a good way. Let me just clarify that. I was looking forward to my visit. So I'd forgotten and it wasn't nearly as frilly. No, it's actually quite low on tweet. It's actually quite normal, actually, actually inside. Not, not very twee. Actually. However, their main offering is what they call a biscuit. Which is not a biscuit you would offer to an infant. Do you want a biscuit? It is a cross between a biscuit, a cookie, and a cake. Cake obviously did not rank high enough to be included in the portmanteau name. So what it basically is, baked sweet discs of not biscuit, not cake, not cookie, with buttercream in between them. Or you have the deluxe one, which I had, which has some kind of artisanal marshmallow. It was a little disappointing. The buttercream, there was something not... It was a lightened buttercream. Yeah, they were very keen to tell me on the fact that it was a lightened buttercream and thus did not have as much sugar and butter in. I thought, I am buying something you are advertising as the mutant child of three baked goods. What on earth makes you think that I care about whether it's the light version? Oh, that's fine. I Sorry, I wanted the lard, but I would prefer it if it was light lard. The girl who served us was, was very nice and very efficient, and I really liked her. Yeah, she was cool. She obviously sort of did the, did the spiel, sort of saying, yeah, this is a biscuit, and it's oh, this is what it is, and this is how it works. And it's got a lightened buttercream in it. The butter and sugar are only 50%, so that's a bonus for you. And I was thinking, that's literally the opposite of a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> if it was 150% of butter and sugar, I'd be on board. The marshmallow element was very nice. I think I picked poorly on flavour, because oh dear. I really enjoyed it. I don't know why I come across so much. I hated every minute of it. I picked a salted caramel one, and with the marshmallow, it was sort of like a s'more affair they were going for with the biscuits. Oh. The caramel element, the caramel I like is the flavour one gets inside a dairy milk caramel. Or there's the kind of burnt sugar caramel. Yep. I did not care for that. That is what that tasted of. So that's fine for some, but you, you pays your money, you takes your chance. But it was it was very pleasant. And I would go back because their cakes look excellent. And they just do all the marshmallow separately. And frankly, that was great on its own. That's true. Yes, they did have a case of just marshmallow. So I think, Jessica, we're going to have to just start going to more places to eat cake. It's a very difficult task, isn't it? This burden we have been given. I also liked that as she put the tea down in front of us, she announced that there was soy milk in my tea. Yes, because last week you weren't sure whether you had got soy milk. It was actually almond milk. And the other problem was it was obviously sweetened. So I was having a, a latte, but it was the sweetest thing in the entire world. And it was just really, it managed to be thick and cloying, but it was a coffee. And it was like, 
And also, if you're having almond milk, you can never be sure you've not been poisoned with cyanide. Well, there is that. Also, it was served, and this is still the Urban Tea Rooms, it was served in a glass that didn't have a handle. I had that recently. I was given a hot beverage. I went out for coffee with Felix, separate to the Scrabble incident. And I was given a latte, and I sort of started turning it around to find a handle. And you never find one. It had gone cold by the time I decided you know, to give up this futile pursuit. We are open to recommendations. Within the M25, please. Yeah, please don't be like, oh, by the way, I, I run a great coffee shop in the Outer Hebrides. Actually, you know, that's so outrageous, I would go. I'd go. But don't be like, yeah, Swindon. I'm not going to Swindon for a cup of coffee. Bad news, Swindon. Now, this week, we will be bringing you a review. In lieu. Of Top Thieves. Thieves. No, it didn't work. Tried it. Bail. A super review, one might say. That's a car, isn't it? A Subaru, that's what I'm thinking of. Jessica and I agreed last week that we would watch Daredevil for review. I forgot until Saturday evening because I've been watching lots of Cheers instead. So if you want to talk to me about Cheers, I finally got to the point where Frasier turns up and it has taken an uptick for me. I So I did not watch Daredevil until Saturday, and so I've seen the first episode. Jessica has seen the first five episodes? Uh, seven and a half now. Oh, eight. goodness. Eight. Seven and a half, eight. Okay. Jessica's seen eight episodes. I've seen one, and I've seen a film. I went to see Avengers Age of Ultron, which Jessica has not seen. So between us, we're going to cobble together some cultural reviews of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's begin with Daredevil. Yes, let's. So this is Netflix's new show. Shall we say at the start, quite different to Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Quite different. Yes, it's veering away generally from our usual uh, viewing, well, my usual viewing choice. Yeah, I mean, Yours, not so much, but yeah, well, not not all we usually go for. No, it's not in the uh, not joke heavy. No woodland creatures, no singing. Everything is grey. Everything is grey. From the first episode, doesn't seem strong on the happy ending vibe. It's very good, but we're, but we're a bit thin on laughs. We are a bit thin on laughs. Daredevil is based on the failed Ben Affleck vehicle of two thousand and four. No, there's a <laughs> uh, the Marvel comics series daredevil is about matt murdoch who is a lawyer who is blind who is a superhero at night and that's yeah hell's kitchen. in hell's kitchen in the netflix uh series they've dumped all 13 episodes once he's played by charlie cox of stardust who i was delighted to see because i really like stardust and yes. i felt that he'd sort of disappeared and we hadn't seen anything from him yeah, looking at um, IMDb, he doesn't seem to have done a lot, just nothing that I've seen. I wasn't too worried that he was sitting at home crying because he had nothing to do, but it's good to see him, you know, heading up a big film and then disappearing for some years. Now he's out leading up a big series. And I quite like it. He's got a lovely smile. And very stylish glasses. Little round ones. Yeah, little round sunglasses. Red specs. Now, obviously, I've seen one episode and you've seen eight, so without trying to give too much away, we'll discuss it. I will limit the uh, spoilers for you and our listening audience. My feeling from the first episode is I I absolutely intend to watch more, not just because I feel I ought to, because I should have done it for this review. It started off, and I didn't really know what was happening, because they show you the first thing you see is him as a little boy getting blinded. What a what a cheery start to a series. Yes, it, it does kick straight into a child losing their vision. But then Kimmy Schmidt started with women being rescued from a cult. Well, that's actually, I suppose, a good thing. But you That's know, the good thing. That would be a child having their vision restored. If you watch it backwards, it's quite a cheery. Okay, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, the first thing we see Daredevil doing is 
beating up some people who are trafficking women. And yes. my first thought was, oh, great, more violence against women. This is just what culture needed. And there wasn't too much of that in the first episode. I don't know how it continues. But it did feel a bit like, no, this is uh, not a thing we needed. Yes, uh, I agree with you. I, again, try not to be too spoiler heavy, but that is, is a theme. It's, it's, not, it's not a theme. You know, it's, it's not really a theme. It is uh, an element of some of the criminal activity which takes place. This, well, this this podcast is taking a turn from a review into a kind of socio-political look at the state of the world direction. What do you think of the character, what, Foggy Bottom? Fatty Na- Foggy Nelson. Foggy Nelson. Fatty Nelson. I was going to call him. I, again, from one episode, he seems peculiarly disconnected from the television program around him. He's kind of fratty. And everything else is quite grim. And then Matt Murdock's kind of dry in his humour. So he's not, although he is a blind vigilante, so you could say that, you know, he'd be entitled to a lot of darkness. There's a kind of light wit to him. And then, and then, yeah, yeah Fratty Nelson. F- Foggy Nelson. What is that? Man? Foggy Nelson. Andrew Keegan. Foggy <laughs> Nelson is kind of, I. you know who he's like? The guy in Reaper's friend, is it the guy from Reaper's friend? You know, in Reaper, his friend with the with the chin strap beard. Yeah, sock. No, it's not him. He's in Mighty Ducks. Okay, that does not help me. I can't remember what his character is called in Mighty Ducks, but I was looking, going, this guy looks familiar, and I cannot work out why. And it's because he was in something as a child. Um, I can't remember what his character is called. Well, I really can't complain about Charlie Cox's career break, then, can I? Oh, he again. He's done other things. I'm just not paying attention. Foggy, he makes more sense, I suppose, would be the the uh, term to use in in this context as the series goes on. He's not the comic relief. There isn't really a comic relief. Okay, because from the first episode, it seems like he will be the. He does bring a little bit of lightness to an otherwise quite unrelentingly grim. Unrelentingly grim. It is. It is a bit grim because from the first episode, it doesn't seem. I mean, there's there's a lot of fighting and human trafficking, but it doesn't seem as grim as a lot of things. I've read about it make out and I fear that it just gets more grim as I it I think goes it on. does it does get more great. The first episode has sort of um unpleasant criminal activity and a lot of fisticuffs, but the fighting is very very good. Mm, that is really good. There's an excellent shot in the second episode which is just very very artfully done. But yeah, it is there's a, a grayness and a grimness that kind of goes through it. Yeah, it does it does get worse. The violence gets slightly more more creative as it goes on as well. Like, I definitely feel like the first episode was just people punching each other. I could have felt with this opening bit where he's rescuing these women from this shipping container. I was sort of hopeful that there might be kind of just little glimpses of humour running through it. And there are bits of humour, but I thought there might be a more just sort of just gently running along. Because if you read a Marvel comic book, often they are interspersed with quite, you know, sort of amusing... And I've always got the feeling that Marvel comics are funnier than DC comics. Yes. I've not read... A huge amount of comics, but from the ones I have read, I do get that vibe. Even if just because their heroes tend to be sort of have one-liners just before they punch somebody. Yeah, I mean, Spider-Man or the film version of Iron Man, especially in the first Iron Man film. They, yeah, they always have some sort of witticism to provide just before they... Crack in jokes and people's heads together. So Daredevil turns up, this isn't a spoiler, it's like the second scene of the entire series, and he's rescuing these women and he's beating up sort of three men at a time. And there's a fourth dude just sitting in a, in a lawn chair eating crisps. 
And I, you just spot him in the background. He's just sitting there. What He's obviously there in a the supervisory capacity or he was just being a bit lazy. Daredevil is beating up the other three and he's just sitting there eating his chips, watching this ridiculous fight take place. He then gets kicked in the head and falls into the uh, body of water just behind him, which obviously is a, a different humour. There's a weird thing with the darkness of comic books at the moment, or comic book adaptations. So I recently watched the trailer for Batman vs Superman and that is the single grimmest two and a half minutes of video i've ever watched i mean i know batman's kind of dark but in a like oh my parents are dead way but superman is a like a boy scout and it it, why it's ridiculous superman isn't supposed to be dark and gritty the whole point is that superman is who you get when everything's going well and he's there in his bright colors and his pants over his trousers and everyone's so happy that they don't even want to tell the poor man he's got dressed in the wrong order they just don't care Government satisfaction, when it's high, people Superman is popular, when it's low, Batman is popular. Yeah. Daredevil is the sort of gritty element of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because I went to see Avengers Age of Ultron yesterday, and that has a lot more humour running through yeah. it. Especially in the the first third. And then the second third, still a lot of good jokes. And then the final act, if you will, is basically the same as the final act of the first Avengers film. Okay. I'm with you so far, I think. There's a kind of lightness. They have a lot of characters. They've got new characters as well. And I think the film does a really good job in balancing having so many characters. I think it does it, you know, pretty flawlessly, actually, because it could be a horrible disaster. But you don't feel like, well, where's this guy gone? Or, you know, why are we talking about this? Or I don't understand what this person is doing. And then the final thing is there's a big fight in a city and there are lots of, in this case, robots. Last time it was aliens. Robots versus aliens? No, they've yet to do that one. I assume that's going to be what happens in the third film, which of course is being split into two parts. And it kind of felt that you could pretty much have shown the third reel of the first film again and been like, well, I kind of grasp what's going on. There's a lot of fighting. But there are a lot of good jokes in it. I didn't simply adore it, but I thought it was a very good entertaining film. Yeah. There is... Um, there's some feminist critique I can make of it. Well, as ever, with most things we watch. Well, with every, anything in mainstream culture. So the problem is, is that if you have a team and there is only one woman in it, she is not obliged to have to get together with somebody in the gang. Right, yes, yes. That's not how that works. What What if she... What, she and there's a whole thing about, like, motherhood and, and whether that's, like, an automatic role. And they're kind of little bits that don't affect it on a grand scale. But you just sit there and think, this is not... This is not, this is not what I signed up for. It's obviously a problem that's completely solved. If you have more than one woman in your group, then if one of them gets together with somebody, that's fine. But the, the other, you, they'd have to, we don't have to be paired off with everybody. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of fun lines in it. There was no Tom Hiddleston, so I was just deeply upset all the way through, sobbing, frankly. Does it pass the Bechdel test? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Dare- Daredevil um, actually does. It, it could quite easily not, but it did yesterday, so that was fine. Oh, good. Eight episodes in most of its characters are male not good enough i know that that's obviously a prime criteria for passing the Bechdel test is you need more than one female character so that's sort of tick one i should go back I, I did i am actually enjoying daredevil it made it sound like i was a bit like oh god this is like chore and uh and oh it's grim and oh it's the under grim side of gross humanity and ugh. but yeah it's it's good you know it's they're fighting that so the good guys are trying to do good well that's a good point it's not um the bad guys and the bad guys winning but this is my review of everything needs more laughs I think what we're really waiting for is for Constable Benton Fraser to turn up and, and solve problems. 
that's the kind of show I want. Is it a kind of procedural? Do you get a kind of case of the week element? Because they are lawyers. They are lawyers. That's what I was expecting. Um, and actually, no, it's not formulaic at all. I, I think I was expecting it to be a bit more case you of the week. I mean, there's a real plot. Uh... Yeah, it's more season arc based than okay. episodic. I mean, you could come into an episode and be able to follow it, but really you do you do need to have watched it from the beginning. Well, it's okay because it's on Netflix, so it's not as if you come in halfway through and just catch the episode that's on. You start from the beginning. I, I, I recommend. I am enjoying it. Maybe I will alternate it with my Kimmy Schmidt rewatch to keep it light. I did think that. I watched an episode the other day. I, I work in the evening, so I got in late at night, and I thought, I'll watch this, and then I'll watch a sitcom just before I go to bed. May I recommend Cheers? You can. I think I went with Baby Daddy. Oh no. Well, to continue our theme of things that have been already reviewed on Pop Culture Happy Hour. Oh yeah. Did you watch the first episode of Jane the Virgin last week? No, I haven't seen it yet. I saw the trailers and I was like, oh, I'm so excited this is going to be on. And uh, that was the last I thought of it until you tweeted the other day. So I've watched the first episode of Jane the Virgin. I like it. And I thought, excellent, I'll watch that. And then again, forgot. Oh, well, I recommend that. So the first episode will be on four on demand. Jane the Virgin started last week. Empire starts this week. So I feel like we're slowly catching up to where the US were about four months ago. So this is our update on televisual bits and bobs. Boom. Boom. We didn't do your song. Yeah, I'll do my song now. Uh, my song this week is uh, BC Orienteering by Said the Whale. Uh, they are a Vancouver-based band, British Columbia, hence the BC part in Orienteering. Oh, not before Christ. Not before Christ. Did people orienteer before Christ? I'm not suggesting he was a pioneer of it, like he invented it, but was it an activity? When was the compass invented? Because mm. otherwise it's just walking. I think they did a lot of that before Christ. Nomads. It's from their 2009 album, Islands Disappear. Uh, and they were founded in about 2007 by Ben Worcester and Tyler Bancroft. You are literally wiki- reading Wikipedia. I can see your eyes reading Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, that's how my research works. If people have questions, that's plagiarism. That that's plagiarism 101, is don't copy from Wikipedia. Can I do my song now? Uh, yes, you can. Oh, right. So my song this week... Oh, I'm sorry. Rosie, what's your song? Thank you. I cannot possibly do my song unless prompted by me prompting you to prompt me. My song this week is Lighten Up Morrissey by by Sparks. Not the Sparks. Good advice, generally. Yes. So this is a song about a man who wants to go out with a woman, but she would much rather go out with Morrissey. Seems unlikely. It's a really good song. I have found this song because my beloved Franz Ferdinand have formed a supergroup with Sparks called FFS Hilarious. And my dear friend Adam put together a playlist of Sparks songs for me so that I could learn a bit more about them. I know a couple of their songs. And this was on the playlist and is absolutely terrific. And I'm going to go and see FFS in the summer. Needle unfed! Needle unfed. Well, my cuddly Humphrey elephant is not <laughs> as finished. We're just diving straight in here. Yeah. Well, no preamble. No treble is not quite finished because the sewing up was a bit... Mm, I did it wrong once and then I did it and I was getting it right and then I realised that I'd missed one of the first stitches so it was uneven. Oh, that's upsetting. So the body is now done. The head is now done. Even though when it says, as you sew it up, match up the shaping, completely forgot to do that. So the lining doesn't... It doesn't match up on his head, but you can't see it from the front. And its he still has a spherical head. I mean, he's not horribly misshapen. And I've stuffed the head and body but I have not sewn them together yet because I'm a bit nervous about that 
I don't know why. So that is currently sitting as two little sort of grey orbs on my bedside table, and it looks a bit like a woolly, faceless snowman. I can attest to this. It does. I've seen pictures. Yeah, I'll pop, pop some pictures online. That is... I mean, that, that that's only got a few hours work left in it, I would say. So I should hopefully have a fully completed cuddly elephant, just whatever a 25-year-old woman needs. Of course. And, and then I will sort out the Yosemite Falls cardigan, because the Humphrey was serious procrastination on that, but it was doing something that because I bought it as a kit, it wasn't just, oh, I bought the wool and I've got the pattern. I have this kit. So I feel like I have done something that sort of was on my to-do, my to-knit list. Good. And then I will sort out this bloody stupid cardigan. What? What? I've not really cooked. It's not... I don't know how to cater when the sun shines. Salad? Uh, well, I, I have eaten a lot of salad, but all spinach because I didn't have any lettuce. I had loads of spinach because I've been having it in my Nutribullet. Have you made hummus in it yet? I like to eat stews. I like to eat soups. I like pie. I like a hot. I like to eat stews and soups. I like pie when it's hot. A baked potato. That's I want. I want nourishing hot foods. And then the sun comes out, and I just don't know what to do. And I just get really panicked. I've not been cooking. I've got people coming to a dinner party tonight. Who knows what we're gonna have? I'm gonna Devil talk to you about this when we finish recording. Should I do those fanny cradded ones where you dye mayonnaise green and pipe them on top of a uh, boiled egg? Yes. No. No. Good lord, no. Pioneer Woman did some deviled eggs the other day. I'd go with that recipe. I also have not been baking cakes because I bought so many sell-by crumpets that were in the freezer you're, that you're I've been eating up through those, are you? I only opened them the other day, but I've got to eat some. I had one for pudding the other day. It was excellent. I was watching Good. The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which I don't get the the appeal of no i i watched that when i got in from work if probably the last time e4 showed it uh i haven't read the book and i missed the beginning so i tried to sort of go back and watch it on catch up and see a bit more of it but it just it's one of those films where you can't quite work out if there's a plot and then there is a plot but then it's sort of rubbish yeah a character study my analysis of it is that it ties into the cultural preoccupation with the idea that everyone is really special Everyone is a special snowflake. He's a freshman who manages to make friends with seniors. That is the fantasy of some freshmen. I feel like this was written. The, the man who wrote it wrote himself as the English teacher that Paul Rudd plays, but then wrote it about himself, himself as a teenager, being like, I bet I would have had loads of... If it had just been a little different, all the seniors would have been my best friend. And there's a bit where they toast him, and he's like, oh, you're a wallflower, you notice things. And he's like, I thought no one noticed me. And they're all like, "Cause we love you. You're and like, well, really, that's... What? That's not how this works. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> if any Americans, because I feel that this is a singularly American phenomenon, would like to explain this film to me. So I'm not cooking, I'm not baking, and I have half a knitted elephant. I am a success story. Have you done anything with your life? I made Bakewell tarts. Oh, tell me more. Well, well, oh, well, oh, well. Oh. Tarts. Yeah, the little individual ones, I went full cherry bakewell, glacé icing, glacé cherry. But to make it not look like I just got it out of a Mr. Kipling packet. It doesn't look like I got it out of a Mr. Kipling packet because they're like slightly shoddy and handmade. But I put some uh, toasted almonds on them as well. They've actually got blackberry jam in because that's what was there. And also I used the end of the raspberry jam. When I tried to make them on Thursday, it was not, not a success. Not a success. Because I made some absolutely appalling pastry. This is why I never made pastry. Buy it. It worked better this time. I just, pastry is not my strong point. I can do cake, I can do biscuits. 
Uh, I can do bread, just pastry is not my forte. I've also come to realise that I'm not a neat baker. I try and be really kind of organised and, you know, keep things tidy. But whenever I finish, even if I've baked like the smallest, most simple thing, my kitchen looks like a sort of scale diorama of the bombing of Dresden. When I bake, I measure everything into little neat metal bowls first and then tip it in as I go. Oh, good grief. No, I just lob things in out of bags. I'm a very tidy person. I, I, I am. That is not true. Every time I come over, I try and tidy up. That's not. That says a way more about how annoying I am than you are. Though. That's me being freakish. Because when you come over, I tidy up for you. Oh, this is—is is this like John Richardson's mum smoothing over the spread before he visits because he doesn't like it that people dig out spread? No, because I've no, because the spread is always smooth. What a ridiculous well, obviously. What have we seen this week? What, what have, have we seen, seen this week? Okay. Oh, yeah. okay, so last week as we were walking from the Imperial War Museum, I said, oh, I've got this great thing to post and I have to post McCall's pattern behaviour. Posted McCall's pattern behaviour and forgot to include, and what have we seen this week, the actual thing I wanted to show you. <clears throat> Jessica, please point to your browser to lowbudgetbeasts.tumblr.com. Lowbudgetbeasts.tumblr.com is a collection of the costumes people have created for amateur dramatic versions of Beauty and the Beast. And if you scroll through, <laughs> just, they are tremendous. There's commentary with it, but the pictures, frankly, on their own speak for themselves. And if you just keep scrolling through. This dude's just got a face paint and a wig on, but massive furry gloves. Oh, good God. What the hell is that? Some of them are pretty freakers. Like, it's the way that you kind of have to cobble together your budget beast costume. So people <laughs> wear kind of like Smithy's party wigs with bull horns and a cat nose and then like some of them were kind of football mascot heads they have to be seen to be believed and i feel comfortable saying this because i once played beast in a school production of beauty and the beast and we didn't even really try i was just wearing like a kind of phantom of the opera shape mask that was painted brown and like built up on the brows and had a big oh i remember that claw mark through it i think i've still got it but it was plaster of paris it's probably disintegrated horribly i urge you to scroll through low budget beasts and look at the truly fantastic costume work of the nation's amateur theatrical types i've just found a guy wearing a sort of uh mar bouvier uh from the simpsons style wig but with horns sticking out the side of it The best thing is is that they're always next to Belle in the reproduction of the yellow dress because they're very Disney-inspired. So you have this very pretty, very earnest young woman. In, you know, she's playing Belle, she's playing the princess <laughs> next to a man with, like, a rug on his head wearing huge furry oven gloves. The the one with the with the silly wig on, the first one, he's doing a kind of grr face and doing a, a naughty hand gesture. And then the next one is there with a with a, a an aggressive leg bevel, kind of grinning and doing sort of ta da face. Like, look at my outfit. My other recommendation is an oral history of Mad Men, which was put up by Clickhole, which tells you something of the tone one can expect from Clickhole, which is fake BuzzFeed, and it's yes. a fake oral history of Mad Men, and it is so very funny. The bits that they, John Ham, in air quotes, says. Everything he says starts with, yes, I am Ham. And then he says <laughs> what he wants to say. It's astonishingly funny. 
So that's the oral history of Mad Men on ClickCall. And now I'm thinking about John Hamm with a hook for a hand from uh, 30 Rock. <laughs> or him uh, in the courtroom in there. Uh... Oh. Spoilers. It's been like a month. Yeah, it's fine. I don't think I have anything for what have we seen this week. What have we seen this week? What have I seen this week? Lord of Daredevil. That's 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 one thing. Uh, I have a podcast recommendation. Do you know? I do. I hope this will appeal to the many library and book adjacent listeners we have, courtesy of Two Bossy Dames. Hello, hello. It's a podcast called Bookish Blether and is hosted by Nicola and Holly. And uh, it is on Twitter at Bookish Blether. And they are two very nice people talking about books they've talked about quick reads holiday reading they sometimes chat to authors and stuff it's quite new but it's very nice it's gentle and interesting at the same time i think sometimes people be like it's very gentle like what are they borderline dead but this is intellectually stimulating but also very pleasant to listen to so that's bookish blether and i recommend it excellent i will check it out i listened to it on the train home from my day out at the watts gallery so it all ties beautifully together I, oh, I discovered the uh, that the Mekong River uh, documentary with Sue Perkins is on iPlayer at the moment because I missed it the first time around, so I'm watching that. That's very that's very interesting. The first episode, she like meets lots of people and she makes noodles and she does, and it's obviously it's all very jolly and it's Sue Perkins. Then it, it sort of divulges because she's in Cambodia and it starts talking about Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge. So it's kind of a roller coaster of oh this is jolly, oh this is awful, uh, but I'm learning stuff, but I'm having a nice time, but I don't know, oh and I'm not. And that's all in the first episode. <laughs> what a roller coaster! Although obviously you can't take a roller coaster up the Mekong River, but it's good. It's four episodes. Uh, I think I'm on the second now, so I recommend that on BBC iPlayer for them what has access. Stephen Hawking says that it's possible that Zayn Malik is still in One Direction in a parallel universe. Yes, yes, that is true. On that basis, there is a parallel universe where I'm in One Direction. A universe I think we all want to visit. (laughs) Can you imagine if I were Harry Styles? Oh, I'd hate that. I'd hate that. Please don't make me be in One Direction, Jessica. Okay, I'll I'll do my level best to uh, prevent that from happening. Thank you. Oh no, that's ruined my day. I've got to host a dinner party tonight. And <laughs> now you're Now I'm in one direction. I've got to learn all the dances. Do they have dances? Are they that kind of boy band? I don't even know. I've never seen them perform. Except, <laughs> Except on that... that thing with the with the people who do the silly voices over the top. Yeah, where it's dumped over so they can't sing. That is one of my favourite videos. If we haven't featured it in this, which I think we have, it's yeah, somebody's dubbed over a live performance of One Direction so it sounds like they can't sing. I'm watching that after we finish. Alright, Jessica. I think we're done. I think we're... I'm I'm done. The problem with recording this on Monday morning is that we kind of like, oh, I'm done. And I sort of think, oh, is that me for the week? <laughs> I hope not. I've got to buy a DVD player this afternoon. Hard life, isn't it? Three adaptations of The Wizard of Oz arrived on my doorstep on Saturday. Three little kittens. And I've got to watch them all. So, Cool. Right. Awesome. Bye. Have a good fortnight. I will. Oh, you're talking to the listeners. Yeah, I kind of was. But, you know, you can have that one as well. Cheers. I will be watching a lot of cheers. Which you'll be watching, yes. Bye. Bye. To find out more and to read show notes for this and past episodes, you can visit our website at rosieandjessica.co.uk. You can email us at hello at rosieandjessica.co.uk. And you can follow us on Twitter at The Day of Fun Show. Don't forget you can find all of our archives and leave reviews and ratings on iTunes. See you soon.